Future Mike here, jumping in from my editing bunker to start this episode. See, when we recorded this, we didn't take into account that it would be airing on Memorial Day. For our listeners from outside America, it's a day where we remember and honor those soldiers, sailors, and airmen who have fallen in battle. We don't usually do holiday-themed episodes around here, but we at least want to acknowledge this day. I know for myself, I have a litany of friends and family that have served and are still serving in our nation's military forces. For those men and women we have lost, and for those who still put themselves in danger every day, we do want to take a second and remember what they have given so that we can be safe at home pushing miniatures and cubes around on cardboard in safety. Now, on to episode 101. All right, everybody, welcome back to Game Store Profits, the podcast where two guys get together and talk about games and geeky stuff and God, all things that we love coming together into one place. It's a little weird for me to be opening this. I'm not going to lie. We, you know, This is the first episode that I, I am without my former co-host of Luke Navarro, and it is my opportunity to welcome you guys and say, my name is Mike Perna, and this is Jeff Romo. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's a little weird for me too. And simply because of this, normally when I'm listening to you guys, I'm driving. So I have no steering wheel, I have no road, and I have no frame of reference. So there you go. It's late, you're staring at your computer, it's good times. <laughs> it is good times, absolutely. So how's your week been going today, uh, so far? We're looking at what, it's Wednesday as of recording time? Yeah, it is. Uh, I will say that I'm currently looking forward to the end of this week <laughs> for a number of different reasons, <laughs> but generally things are good. Uh, I will say that I'm looking forward to it because my buddy just texted me probably a couple of hours ago and said, hey, you know, are you doing anything this weekend because it's my birthday and I want to spend it playing board games. Can you assist me? <laughs> it's the best text in the world. I, you know, you work hard to build up a reputation as the guy who has all the games, and it it's taken a couple years of this, but people are now calling me and saying, hey, I want to play board games. <laughs> Very nice. And and, when, and if people call me, I'll refer them to you. Um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, how about, how about yourself? How's things going? Um, you know, it's had its ups and downs. Sunday, I had a great day. Um, church was awesome. Sunday night, I had my weekly Shadowrun game with my old friends. Um, and during that game, we actually finalized a plan to seek uh, seek um, less technologically advanced areas. Uh, in short, we're going to go up to the mountains and hang out in a cabin with all our families and just goof off, do some fishing, that kind of stuff. But we just, will also... <laughs> wait, wait, just just to be clear, yeah, your Shadowrun characters didn't say this. You did, because uh, the first thing that came the first thing that came to my mind was, wait a minute, your Shadowrun <laughs> characters are looking for less technology. <laughs> that's right, that's right. We're going low tech, man, because we got to shake Lone Star. <laughs> we cannot stay in Seattle any longer. Um, no, um, we're. I mean, the talk was of possibly playing Shadowrun up there after the girls go to sleep, but uh, but uh, no, it's um, yeah. We've our families have been friends for. 20 some odd years or more and uh it's been a while since we've all gotten together and just kind of hung out so we're gonna take the weekend plus a day and uh head up there so i'll be uh i'll be carting along a new purchase of which i hope you will help me with deciding on oh so you have not uh we had talked about the fact that you wanted to bring a game with you but i didn't realize hmm. you had yet to purchase this game <laughs> I've done excessive amounts of research, and if you know me at all, I am obsessive when it comes to research. So, yeah, I've uh, I've narrowed it down to three possible choices, but we can we can chat about that ad nauseum as we uh, as we get to the topic. Well, actually, actually, we can do that right now because okay. especially because you know normally in this part of the show, this is when we talk about what we have played. Yeah. But you're still getting into this, and quite frankly, what I've been playing has a lot to do with kind of how I want to make the turn into the spiritual stuff later. Okay. So we'll, we'll flip the script here a little bit, and we can start off by talking about this stuff and then move into what, what I've played, because you haven't yet. 
All right, that sounds good. So, so what are, what are these options? I'm curious. Okay, so the first one that I had, I was thinking of family friendly, and I was also looking at possible, you know, the differences between the cooperative and the, you know, the cutthroat type games, the you know, the, the opposing games. Um, as far as family friendly, the only kind of stipulation is that one of the one of my friends has two daughters one is 10 the other one is four so the four-year-old probably not gonna have to worry too much about her playing games just more worried about her not tipping the board over and stuff like that and we'll have fun with her she's a lot of fun uh the 10 year old she is one smart cookie uh she may actually pick up on some of the rules that these games can toss around um and then my other buddy has a son who is uh 11 really super smart and totally into games so um i think he'll have a lot of fun with the possible choices i have here so um the first one i picked was tokaido which is kind of like a japanese vacation game where you're, you're traveling from i mean that's kind of the way i'm reading it i'm trying to summarize all the no notes no no that that's have, but... <laughs> that that sounds accurate that sounds exactly what tokaido is about i mean and I, i'm i don't know if i'm reading this right but and and uh Let's see. I'm thinking combination of Forbidden Fortress and Cannonball Run. Is that close? <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting combination of things. Because you because you get the Japanese culture, but you're also in a race against you know each other. Maybe not necessarily against time. You got four days to get there. Not real time, but in game time. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because you're trying to have the most enlightened and enriched experience between food and cultural awareness and stuff, which totally sounds awesome. The descriptions they have in there are just totally just kick ass. I like them. Um, it's but... it's really it's really interesting that that game. You know, a lot of people just got into that game because it was featured on tabletop in this previous season. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really interesting game, mostly because every time somebody before i actually got a chance to sit down with it everybody will tell me like oh yeah it's about you know traveling from one city in japan to the other okay well what do you do are you like samurais or ninjas or something no you're you're traveling and doing painting and shopping and visiting temples okay okay and 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 that's fun and you're eating Oh yes, oh there's definitely Don't forget eating. that. <laughs> but basically the short version of how this works for those of you who might not know anything about it is is that players take turns, you know, moving their their pawn from one place on the map to the next, but you you can stop along the way. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you stop, you have the option to do one of these things and each one of these is a way to get points. It's it's a lot of set collecting, it's a lot of of gathering up these various things painting you will you paint a part of a picture and your goal is to collect as many parts of that picture as you can shopping there are different things that you need to get as part of a set and if you if you get some of them you get some points but the goal again is to get one of everything and if you do that then you'll get a huge portion of points uh there's other things like i I don't want to go into too many points because we have a lot of games that we want to talk about but basically you're taking turns, choosing from here. And it's kind of, I I guess we'd call it worker placement because basically when you put one of your guys in one of those yeah. spots, the other guys who come behind you can't go into that spot. They have to do something else. Yeah, there's so, a bit of strategy to it. It's an interesting perspective on strategy because it's like, it's like a combination of saying, hey, I'm on my favorite vacation I've ever been to. And like that vacation, I couldn't do everything I wanted to in the time allotted. You know what I mean? But then right. one time we tried to go to one place. Oh, there was too many tourists there and we couldn't go. So it's kind of like that, but you're actively being opposed. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. There's all sorts of weird little strategy that comes out of this. Again, when I first heard about this game, I'm like, how could this be strategic? You're going yeah. from place to place to place. But you realize, like, oh, if you know that your buddy is about ready to finish this this masterwork painting, you make sure that you put your guy there. Mm-hmm. And suddenly his thing that was going to be worth a bunch of points is worth next to nothing. Yep. You can uh, you can place yourself, depending on where you are, the further along the trail you go, the later you go in the next round. Mm-hmm. So if you, you might 
intentionally pick something this turn that is only marginally beneficial to you, but that means next turn you get to go first and get the thing that you really want. So for a game that's basically about tourism, <laughs> this game is is crazy strategic yeah. and really, really cutthroat because it's really easy to make another player's life miserable. <laughs> that's the part I was a little nervous about. Just, I mean... We've had larger gatherings of this group of people along with others, and we were playing Settlers of Catan, and uh, it got ugly real fast. So, I mean, well, no, actually, I should say it was really great for the first half hour, then the last half hour and beyond was like, hmm, I wonder if there's any silverware at the table I need to get them removed now. So (laughs) that's the only thing I was a little worried about, but the group that we're going with are pretty laid back, so I don't think it would get too heinous so all right so what's what's the next game all right next game you guys have talked about before uh but it is pandemic um and i was looking for something cooperative i was looking at something that was almost kind of felt kind of isolationy the next game we'll talk about has that in spades but the uh but this one i mean i've seen contagion nobody wants that you know that nobody wants that at all and you want to have your mates next to you to like help fight that possibility so i know it has a very steep chance of winning or like the odds are totally stacked against you i should say but it seems like it'd be a lot of fun to match wits and match you know match that effort to try and beat the game so so you basically don't want to know what success looks like this weekend You, <laughs> what are you trying to say, Mike? Out, Is it stressful? What are you saying? You're going out to a cabin in the woods, <laughs> more more like more akin to the Joss Whedon horror story, yeah, than, yeah. than the peaceful getaway. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't need to explain too much about pandemic one because it's been around forever, and yeah. two because we've talked about it ad nauseum here on the podcast before. Sure, but yeah, it's. It is a co-op, a co-op game, and there are times when doing a co-op game is really, really awesome when you're having a, a group thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but yeah, be prepared. This is not the kind of game you play with people who want to win things. This is the kind of people Good. who are okay with failure. <laughs> All right, that's this group to a T. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm sure we'll have... I, it's just it's it's one of those high points that I was thinking of bringing or uh, in the list that I was really thinking about just because, like I said, it's cooperative. So the next one, I put together notes and, and I know you don't prepare too much for the podcast, Mike, but I, I told you, you are I told, clearly you are clearly an overachiever. <laughs> I told you during our little uh, warm up, our bonus content that if I don't prep a little bit, I might get the shakes. So somewhere out out there, Grant and Peter are praising God. <laughs> that he, that he has bestowed upon this podcast some sense of order and decency. Yeah, yeah. So when I put my notes together, I titled this Green Dragons, A Cabin in the Woods, and Drum Warfare. So the reason I did that, A Cabin in the Woods, was because of that cool little horror flick, but also the idea of being in a cabin and potentially bringing along Dead of Winter. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> now, the, the thing was is that it would be an option to play if the kids are all going to bed and it's just us, you know, like it's 10 o'clock and it's dark out the place where we're at the lights, there's like a kind of a light curfew in the area where we're at. So lights kind of go out at like 10 o'clock, 1030. So it gets like real quiet, real fast. So, um, yeah, I kind of like the idea of playing dead of winter and the people who are in this group are kind of, they're not ultimately fans of horror, but they can, they can take this level of it. <laughs> that that would be funny, you know, if you play it while the children are there, you just pull them aside and go, Children, now's the time when we learn some things. What we're gonna what we're gonna learn is don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and this time you're gonna find out just how far daddy can go. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do think, you know, we're joking about I do think there is something truly beautiful about being in a cabin in the middle of the woods and playing a game where there's a bunch of survivors trying to survive the, the zombie plague. I think that's, I think that's fitting. You should Mm -hmm. probably like board up the windows just for effect. (laughs) 
there are wooden shutters, so that's possible. Of course, we there can are. kind of make it work. Yeah. And and the group that I'm with, like I said, we've role played a long time, and the wives are like, they don't play, but they're totally on board. They get it, which is really awesome. So imagination abound in this group. So yeah. So I, <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm kind of leaning towards that, and there's there's another reason I'm leaning towards that, and that's because I've been uh, I've been perusing the interwebs on the a site called Meetup, and you and okay. and Luke recommended this to me. So yeah, I might have a chance to practice Dead of Winter at a place called the Green Gra- the Green Dragon Tavern, uh, close to my house. It's called the what now? The Green Dragon Tavern, and oh, that that just sounds amazing. It does, and you know, I had like a different a, a different perspective on it. I had a different thought process on it when I first heard the title because, you know, I'm I'm in Meetup. The, the website thing and I'm looking at it and it says, you know, potential games that might be played dead of winter and a couple other games and well, that, you know, dead of winter. Yeah. I honed in on before, before you get too deep on this, sure. uh, just for people who don't, who may, may maybe have not heard uh, in the past when Luke and I have suggested it, what, what is meetup just real quick. So it, meetup is kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say it's like a dating site. It's not, it's, it's basically like if you are a gamer, and you're in a particular region of the country, you can put your name up on this this website. You know, put in, you know, like, uh, my name's Jeff, and I play Dungeons & Dragons, and I've, I'm trying to get into board gaming, that sort of thing. And you start kind of getting categorized into groups. It's almost like Xbox Live matchups. Um, um, when you're trying to, like, get matched up with a certain skill set, whatever the case may be. So it does that for you. Or you can actually go and hunt around for games in the area by category. Um, and so you can find out calendar event of events. You can find out how many people are going. You can read the little minor dossiers on each of the people that are going, so you can kind of get an idea. Okay, I'm not going to go to a, a a a gaming group that has like all ten year olds, but I will go to one that has between thirty and forty five year olds or or older, just because that's my age group. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really interesting little pocket universe to to look into. So, so what was it about this one, other than the fact that you saw that Dead of Winter was potentially getting played? What was it about this place that made you say, I mean, obviously there's there's some pull. I mean, it's yeah. called the Green Dragon Inn or whatever it is. Green Dragon That's, Tavern, yeah. Oh, a tavern. <clears throat> yeah. The uh... <laughs> Okay, so it, for those who are listening, I, I, I'll show a virtual hands when you hear the Green Dragon Tavern. Do you first think of Miriam Pippin? dancing on the table, singing the praises in the Green Dragon Tavern. Um, that was my first instinct, but no, no, uh, fair listeners, it is actually a recreation of the Revolutionary War uh, Tavern in Boston, where, um, or I'm sorry, is it Philadelphia or Boston? I'll have to check my notes. All, right, the, all you historians don't, don't send your crossbows my way. Ask, but ask um, it's a recreation of this tavern where uh, Paul Revere and the other the um, people in his group planned the midnight ride. Well, and that's where they went for their drinks and they hung out. And this is the place. And so they recreated it faithfully. And there's even an attached museum. But the cool thing is that they have an upstairs area that has couches and tables and such. And they open it up to people who want to use them for whatever and so this particular group goes up there once every couple weeks and they have board game night see the second you said the green dragon tavern Hmm. i was immediately you know and and you'll probably relate to this because you're as much of a fantasy nerd as i am oh yes i immediately thought that this was like some kind of sister pub to the red dragon inn from from dragonlance I was, I was like, I, I have it clear as day in my head, and the idea that you could go there and play board games and have a drink with your buddies was quite possibly the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, you know what? I kind of, I'm on the, I'm on the fence on this because when I look at the pictures of this place, it looks, 
kind of revolutionary warry. It 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 doesn't have a lot of the the old English style to it. Um, to be honest, I guess if it was going to be like role playing games, I would totally prefer that tavern feel. You know that that kind of the wood is like starting to chip and it's sticky on the floors and there's people running around with wood steins. I mean, I would totally be into that. But um, I you know it's just a different feel. And downstairs they have kind of fancy pants dining and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's definitely different than what I was expecting. But because I have kind of the side of me that loves that early American history, um, you know, all up to the Civil War, I kind of it's it's definitely intriguing to me. Definitely intriguing. So is this a medium that you've already been to or is this something that's happening in the future? Happening in the future. Um, there is going to be one that's this Saturday, but I am already thusly engaged with En-ROADS plays. Um, but there will be one the following Saturday. So I'll be able to report on that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see your, uh, your development as far as the, the ways of board gaming. <laughs> I haven't told you the best part, Mike. What's the best part? I'm dragging my wife with me. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay. Now, now, this is something that we've brought up in the past. Is this a willing participant, or are you dragging her kicking and screaming to play with you? Well, let's work through the progressions, shall we? Um, the first <laughs> response was, really? Um, response two was, mm, I don't know. And then the third response was, okay, yeah, I'll go. And by the third response, I was just saying, please don't make me go by myself. I would totally love it if you'd help me go in there with me and, and just enjoy the time and get into board gaming. And yeah, so she was totally on board. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> long time listeners of the podcast will remember a time when, you know, when I was not quite married to my wife and uh, said that I have a, a policy with her that every time I come up with one of these silly, you know, sim- seemingly stupid activities for us to do. All I ask is that she try it once. Yeah. 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 <laughs> she she tried board gaming on the kind of level that I do mm. and summarily said no. <laughs> <laughs> she I I've found a couple that she likes and she's happy with those. I've heard and... I've heard the tales of Dixit. So Yes, no, yeah. she she's a big fan of that one. But uh but yeah, no. I always tell people, I go, look don't be that guy who brings the wife or girlfriend just to have them there. So it it's it's good and wonderful and important to do it once. Yeah. But I will I will give you this advice as a man who's been through this before. Mm-hmm. If she goes the one time and really can't stand it, I would not recommend repeating this. <laughs> Definitely not. I, the, there was two parts that helped sell, sell it, and one was that um, it'd be kind of an interesting new thing to do because we're always mm-hmm. we're you know looking for new things to do as a couple. Um, and hey, if she if she does end up liking it, then yeah, gangbusters for you because definitely it's, a bonus. It's always nice to be able to have somebody to play with in house. Yeah, definitely a bonus. Um, and then the other side of it is when I showed her pictures of the place and like the, you know, the, the dining room and the, the cool looking bar area and stuff, the museum, she was like, yeah, let's, let's check it out. You know, let's do it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the worst case scenario sounds like she, you know, she can always just wander off and go have a meal somewhere downstairs. Yeah. So when the worst case scenario is, is that you hang out at the bar, have a drink and have some food. It, that that's not a bad that's not a bad way to spend an evening i think yeah and the the meetup uh, the the discussion on the meetup forum it was saying that usually the sessions last anywhere from an hour to 2 hours so it's not like it's a huge chunk of time um out of the evening so it's not like they're busting out like a 4 hour epic no they're yeah no that's we're not going to see like gmt games there you know like here i stand or something like that it's that's not going to be there so <laughs> as, as we found out with jacob last time here i stand <laughs> is a game that makes twilight imperium look like love letter so epic it's uh... <laughs> so epic <laughs> but all right but we digress <laughs> so you know i'm 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 super excited it, you said you're leaning towards dead of winter yeah and it, the thing is is that dead of winter and tokaido together are not excessively expensive they're not too cost prohibitive so i may be able to swing both and then 
let the let the group decide what they want to do but i'll let them decide while i'm holding up dead of winter and shaking it so having having not played dead of winter mm-hmm. uh i i will say that based on what i've heard dead of winter tends to run very hot and cold with people some yeah. people love it some people can't stand it okay so i don't i quite frankly i say that but I really want to play it because for everybody I've talked to, they've described the game to me, and I I wish it was in my collection. Yeah. I'm pretty confident that because of the fact that zombies are not exactly welcome guests in this house, sure. I'm I'm kind of waiting because the crossroads system is going to be across multiple games. That's what I've heard. I well, I heard from you guys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the next one is going to be a Lost in Space vibe, mm. which is really cool, and I'm pretty confident there's going to be more after that. So I'm okay. really interested in the system, but I I don't know. But it sound to me it sounds like an awesome game. Yeah, and and it's won it's won a truckload of awards. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it played a couple times online, and then just kind of read through a couple of PDFs that have summaries of the rules. And it's it's attainable. You know what I mean? It's not right. It's instinctual, which is really good for like just kind of a pickup game. So yeah. And and quite frankly, if if you guys are throwing throwing down with because uh, you're doing first edition Shadowrun, aren't you? Heck yeah. Shoot. So if you're got if your crew can handle first edition Shadowrun. You can you can take anything that Dead of Winter throws at you. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, for me, I will say that I have one game that has been added to the collection but has not been played yet, and it saddens me. Oh, tell me, tell me this tale of woe. It's not a a full game. It was an expansion that got added to a game that I've spoken of, you know, many many occasions. <laughs> that, and that would be Doomtown. Oh, goody goody come drop because. Because I have added the Faith and Fear expansion, the first big box for Doomtown. Nice. And obviously, with a name like Faith and Fear, uh, I, I've I'm a little excited mm-hmm. because this bring this brings the blessed dudes and miracles into the game, and it also adds a few more churches. And you know, it's a little it's a little obvious and on the nose for me to be super excited about this kind of stuff in game. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I there are cards in this in this set and there's other ones that I'm gonna get. Uh like there's one of the expansions has what's referred to as the, the uh the holy wheel gun. And I want that in my life because you know, it's just it's just something that needs to happen. This, this, Faith and Fear has a card, which I don't even know if I'd use it. I have no idea. I have not done deck building with Faith and Fear yet, but I want to. Uh, it's called Evanor, and it's a magical sword. It's a magical sword in a Wild West context. I want this in my life. Uh-huh. I want to put this in a deck. I don't even know how it'll fit yet. I barely know how it works. But oh, my. I, I'm super excited to play this i'm also realizing that you know i need to just i i joked i said i need to just buy a copy of the core set and just hand it to someone because no one's playing doomtown around here even in our friendly local store i mean our our local store is basically magic the gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh right now Ooh. and if you like magic and Yu-Gi-Oh, more power to you i can't stand them <laughs> i haven't played magic since i was in my late teens. Yeah. And Yu-Gi-Oh! And Yu-Gi-Oh! never got me. And I even liked the old cartoon, but the game never thrilled me. So I'm sitting there going, man, I'd I'd love to play this. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about this game that people do not gravitate towards because I I absolutely love it. Uh, Quite frankly, I'm going to be... I was talking with Derek White, and he was complaining that no one had played him in Doomtown. And... There's already plans for me to bring my cards out to Gen Con. So if you're planning on being at Gen Con and you have Doomtown cards, I will bring mine and we will throw down because I want to be playing this game more than I am. Yeah. So so that is something that's been added to the, to the collection but not played. Hopefully that will be remedied shortly. 
It's a the, it's a thing. The the other game that I've been playing a ton of now, granted, partly this is be, due to the fact that it's got a digital version, and I can I can play online with friends, but I have been playing a just a crap ton of Star Realms lately. Star Realms. That sounds it sounds familiar. I uh, had a couple of games that run tap for possible online play, and that one kind of crossed my bow. Uh, what's it? What's what's going on with Star Realms? What is that? Star Realms came out last year. It is a two-player deck builder, okay. where you are trying to get your hands on different ships that will help you to take down your enemies. I love this game because of the fact I've always enjoyed deck builder games. Like like uh, the granddaddy of all of them is Dominion, and I like Ascension, and there are other ones that have come out, but I haven't played yet, like Thunderstone and stuff like that. But the thing I like about Star Realms is the other games, there's, depending on the game, there's little to no player interaction. Basically everything, it's the Euro of card games because everything Mm. is your own little enclosed thing. You're, You're buying up cards to build up your engine to get more cards to get more points to win. Star Realms is basically, forget that noise. (laughs) <laughs> Star Realms is basically you're building up a fleet of ships partly to buy more ships so that you can blow up your opponent. Hmm. You're, you can you can potentially build bases <laughs> to defend yourself or you can just get gobs and gobs of firepower and blow your opponent out of the water. I you know this game when it first came out, I, you know I'm actually writing about an article and I, I'll talk about it a little bit because, uh, I'm mostly done with it now, so by the time this goes live, it'll already be on the site. But I'm, I'm just playing a crap ton of this game, and I'm, I'm finding myself looking at the nature of it. Now, somebody's, you know, when I talk about Star Realms, and, and from the perspective of any kind of, of deeper meaning, somebody said, oh, are you, are you thinking, like, the nature of, of violence in games? Because that that could be made, an argument could be made, because the other ones aren't really violent as far as damage you're doing to other people. It's more of a passive kind of thing. Uh, and I thought about that, but what really kind of got me was the nature of the factions in this game. There are four factions. So each of the factions has their own kind of special ability. Now, there are currencies in this game. Trade is how you buy new ships. Power is how you blow people up, and authority is basically life points. It's how much you have before you die. Uh, the goal is to get the other, your opponent to zero authority. So the factions are the Trade Federation, and obviously they do a lot with getting a lot of trade real quick, but they also have a lot of cards that earn you back authority. They basically build up your life. They're super handy for just getting a pile of of life and outlasting your opponents. Okay. The other another faction another faction is the blobs. Now the blobs are basically if you've ever played StarCraft, the blobs are basically the zerg. All right. They their ships are living entities and they bring the pain. Uh I was talking to somebody about the blobs earlier and the blobs basically have one ship that gets you trade. They have one. Everything else is designed to destroy you. Oh my. They they are the hurt. The Star Empire, uh, I, I don't know how to particularly classify them. If you want to use like a role-playing term, they're a control deck because they, they uh, either get you more cards or make the other people discard cards. Okay. Like a lot of their a lot of their cards force people to get rid of cards in their hand. So they're they're kind of a, a utility guy. And then there's the machine cult, and the machine cult basically allows you to cut the crap out of your deck. Uh, if you've never played a deck builder before, everybody starts with the same basic cards. They're kind they're they're obviously they're good at the beginning of the game because you need them to get other stuff, but towards the later game they're basically taking up space and keeping you from getting to the better stuff. So the Machine Cult has a lot of cards that says, 
get that garbage out of here, bring in the good stuff. So the thing about these factions, not only do they have their own little, you know, doodads and their own little uh, themes as far as how they function, each one of these guys, well, most of them, the, the more of that faction you have out in play, there's more that the cards get to do. Hmm. So say say you have multiple trade federation cards. Now, if you only play the one, I'll just take one at random. It'll give you two trade. Not a bad card. Uh, trade is very useful to get more ships. However, if you play that card while you've already played one of the trade federation, it will also give you four authority. But it only does that if you have other trade federation in play at the same time. Okay. The blobs, the blobs likewise have cards where they'll already hit you like a truck for something like something insane, like six or seven damage. But if you have another blob card, it'll do an extra like four damage. Like they're just nuts. Wow. Uh, Star M. I mean, all of these guys have, if you have another one of their faction, it just gets exponentially huge. And, I'm sitting here playing these games, and, and I've been playing with uh, a buddy of mine, and he basically got the game because he played me once or twice, and he was he was trying trying to learn the ins and outs, because the game is basic, like the actual rules of the game is pretty basic, but there, this strategy of how to make things work out is is a little bit next level. So he's sitting there, and we were playing... Just I think like our our fourth or fifth game in a row, and he he just whomped on me. He he did like most games have you at fifty authority to start out with. We'd been playing a while, and suddenly he just found himself hitting me for fifty two points of damage in one turn. And we were texting back and forth. He looked at me and he and he said, "This is the first time I've ever had a game." where I played the blobs and I won because as, as great as these work together and as cool as these sound in and of themselves, there are weaknesses. The trade federation, unless you're talking about the super high end mega expensive cards, don't do a lot of damage. The blobs, like I said, have no trade except for one card. And if that one card is, is not coming up, you're in a lot of trouble. Like these guys have weaknesses or they or even even if they don't have weaknesses, they have not that great a strength. Like there there's a way to get around each and every one of these factions. Okay. And so I found my 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 advice which kind of tipped off this whole long thought process in my head was when I told him I go I go yeah, you can't go entirely blobs unless you can just get everything out super quick. If the game lasts a decent amount of time, a good thing with the Trade Federation will just counteract all the damage you're doing. You need to diversify. While you can get a lot of one faction, you can't often win with just one faction. Because before you know it, what's what's available to purchase might not be of that faction. And so you find yourself going, well, I none of this is useful to me anymore. And so I found myself, because this is what I do, mm. is I found myself thinking about this and going, huh, so there's benefit to having lots of people around you that are like you because they support you and they, they make everything nicer and better and stronger. But at the same point, if all you have are people like you, then it is easy to exploit a weakness and you're probably not going to win. So I, I think you're, I think you'll probably, it doesn't take too long before you start seeing not only just, you know, obviously in our circles, we're talking about the, the whole aspect of faith, but just the, the philosophy of this, just this idea that, if you, you want to try and avoid an echo chamber, but at the same point, if you never have anybody by your side, if you're always alone, yeah, then you're not nearly as as strong as you would be otherwise. Well, yeah, you start you start kind of creating your own isolation cube where 
your opinion starts to be, hold more and more and more weight. And all of a sudden, when you're exposed to other opinions, all of, they, they just don't matter that much anymore. Um, yeah, diversification is key. <laughs> well, I there's a couple different arenas that we can can point to here. There's a couple different aspects. All you, all you need to do anymore is get on Facebook, which I you can now say that you experience, mm-hmm. and and see that. It doesn't take long before all you're doing is seeing the same opinions over and over again, yeah. especially if, if the people that are on your friends list are all from a similar viewpoint. And even if they're not, man, it, the way the way Facebook's algorithm goes, you only see people who are generally going to at least vaguely agree with you. That's right. Because it's only going to give you stuff that you want. And I know I know for me, I've I've worked really hard to kind of bring in other voices in my life because I, I hate when people just recite the things that I do. Right. Like, I, I don't know about you, but you know, you are also a married man. And one of the first things I, I said to my wife when we, even when we started dating, I go, I go, look, if, if this proceeds, if we ended up getting married, here's the thing. If you always agree with me, we're going to die. <laughs> I go, this, yeah. it will not it will not go well if you always agree with me. Yeah. Because because I'm stupid. <laughs> and and I say that only partially flippantly. <laughs> I I think I think any person in and of themselves is an absolute idiot. Yeah. If not constantly, then at least occasionally. That's right. <laughs> it's through so, the polarizing lens of our better halves that we see our better selves. That's for sure. Well, exactly, and I I think that it's only when you you bring in these other people that you start seeing that, and you start opening yourself up to other stuff. Like, especially I I see this in just the nature of the church. There's a reason why we talk about there's so many different passages in scripture that talks about unity in the body, mm-hmm. while at the same while at the same point, you know, there's the passages that everybody always cites, you know. The idea that, you know, some people are hands and some are eyes and, and feet and all these. We're all different parts of the same body. Right. You know, I found myself playing this silly little game because, you know, at its core, it is. It is it is a really super light. Like the game itself, if, if all you're playing is the core set, the game itself is about the size of a deck box. You know, we talk about Magic the Gathering, the right. deck boxes that people have. Mm-hmm. The game is about that size. In its completeness. And so this tiny little game is making me contemplate the nature of the church. You're blowing my mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, the experiences that the Lord puts in front of us. I mean, he, he, wants, to, he wants us to see certain things. Um, and through his heart's desire, not ours. You know, I mean, it, there's obviously things that we should not as a a collective underneath his grace be looking at agreed but um yeah i mean it, to be able to extract him from the things that you see the things you do the games that we play um the conversations that we have that's that's the beauty of this faith so i'm i i say my mind is blown but in in actuality i'm not surprised i mean because you're you're very in tu- you're very in tune with the with seeing through that lens. Well, and the the thing that I liked that that illustration, this idea of of the need for diversity, that's that's something that's been around for a while, and you can you can cite that in lots of different things, especially now with all the you know the big thing for those of you who are up on church stuff. The big thing recently was the the Pew report that said the church is you know the the all the the crazy headlines were saying that the church is dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think right now we're realizing that the way we've always done things can't happen. It's just, it's, it's not that the things are dying. It's just that the fact that everyone has always just done this mm-hmm. is dying. Yeah. And I think that part of it is, we just, you can't 
you can't make a Star Realms deck off of the same thing over and over and over again, the same faction, the same idea. Right. We weren't designed for this. Yeah, we're we're constantly we're constantly being refined. Well, just just like this game is balanced that one faction can be worked around. Now granted, you can you can bully it, especially if you're the blobs, you can bully it and just you know, muscle down another opponent. But really all it takes is one bad round of turns and the other person's going to take you. There are ways to exploit that. It's just it's just amazing to me just this. And then the other there's even the the flip side of the coin because I, I find myself looking at this and go, you know, we're a niche within a niche. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much out into the, the world of this you've been, because Luke and I have talked about it at length. Right. But, and it'll be interesting to see how this goes with the meetup. And, I, you know, I think after this is done, it'll be interesting to hear your experiences with that. Yeah. Because meetups, meetups will not have a collection of the same group of people. A meetup can literally pull from everybody in the area oh yeah i when i looked at the list of the roster that was there i mean there was a uh, looks like a 45 year old couple there was a 30 year old guy who's been playing dungeons and dragons the whole time there's uh i mean it was just random it, just pick them you know it was it, it like you said it's diverse so yeah, i'm very interested to see the kinds of people that'll be there just to be exposed to it you know what i mean um, 20 some odd years playing with the same group or, you know, being online with the same group of folks. And it's, it's nice to finally kind of expand, you know, and spread my wings with this stuff. Um, and I, I have this ministry to really thank for that because I always had my relationship with the church in one hand and then my gaming in the other. And now it's, you know, peanut butter and chocolate, baby, put that stuff together. Well, and I, I love the fact that you're going to be playing with people that maybe not cross generation. There's not that many years in between you. No, not that much. But, but just people with all sorts of different experiences, different age groups. Because so many times, I, I've seen it. I've seen it happen where, regardless of circumstance, people come to the same table. But outside of the of gaming, we find ourselves, you know, putting up all these artificial walls between us. They're the ones that, you know, say, oh, you know, I, I wrote a long time ago about this experience with a guy at church who every time we do an event, you know, he's just a really awesome guy and I want him at my table, but he keeps going, oh, that's kids stuff. And I'm trying super hard to convince him that it's not because he, ha- he has this weird understanding that once he gets to a certain age, he, he's like kicked out of the club. We can have him read the rules for fire in the lake. How about that? No. Oh, oh no. I, no, I want him to have a positive experience with gaming for his oh, first time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's a, a novel. It's the book to that game. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting, just the, the interplay. Yeah. If you have everybody who is different and no one's the same, you feel like you're alone. Like the reason you're bringing your wife to game night is so that you have at least one person that you know. Yep. Because it can be unnerving to be completely by yourself, mm-hmm. especially especially if that meetup has happened before and those people know each other already. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. It's nice to have that that touchstone, that that place of commonality. But at the same point, if everything is that, if everything is the safe, normal inside this little box that you create for yourself then you're missing out. You're missing out on experiences. You're missing out on, you know, in the church context, you're missing out on doctrine. Cause I hate to tell you the best of us does not have the full picture. No, that's why, that's why we're the body of Christ, right? Right. I was, I was fortunate enough to study under guys who had been, had been teaching the Bible and how to, to interact with the Bible longer than my father has been alive at a graduate level. And the thing that I, I got from all of them at one point or another was the farther I come along this road, the more I realize how much more there is to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think we do ourselves a tremendous disservice if we we only stay within the same faction. Heck, if we really want to take that term to its its fullest, 
you know, the church breaks itself into factions all the time. The, you know, I've, I've shared in the past that, you know, my wife grew up in a certain type of church. And whether it was directly or indirectly implied a number of times, she felt compelled that this is how you do church. Mm-hmm. And if you do church differently than this, you're wrong. So when she married me and I came along doing church a completely different way than she was used to, that transition was super hard for her because, she, you know, there were times when she would literally be like crying and just saying that she feels like she was away from God. She wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, you know, a handful of years later, she she absolutely loves the church we're at. But because she had equated a certain aspect of church with the only way you can do it, you know, she was missing out on so many experiences with God that she thrives on now. Yeah. No, it's, you know what, I it's interesting. I had never thought about it this way. I've written, a, I think it was kind of like a post on the tavern or whatever, talking about my experience with BSF. It's a Bible study fellowship. It's like a worldwide Bible study fellowship. <laughs> um, there's like a central core of of teaching just kind of working straight out of the straight out of the text but it brings together all manners of faith like you know if you're episcopalian you're a protestant you're a catholic don't even care just come here and let's study the word together and the great time is when you're in your little groups you you have your your uh, discussions and you get all these different points of view of like well when i read the passage i came away with this and this is kind of what my experience has been with it and this is why it's personal to me and you know it's just it's a lot of fun you'd think there would be so many like knock down drag out theological fights not even discussions but fights but i've never seen one in the last eight years i've been involved so it's that diversity in approaching our core faith is like you said it's it's great to step out of your faction it's great to get that experience so well, and it 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 takes a level of humility oh yeah oh yeah and i think i think if if there's anything that we're going to struggle you know as as gamers and as people mm-hmm. is just this aspect of humility you have to go into this understanding that you might be you might be wrong <laughs> And even if you're not wrong, you might be completely different. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with something like faith, being different can can get that feeling like it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's a tension there when so many people are saying that every issue is black and white. You're either with God or against him, which, I mean, sadly... I don't see that there there are some issues that I can I can make that argument for in scripture, but we do that a lot more than scripture does. Yeah. We we make things black and white for us or against us a lot more than the Bible does. Oh yeah. And it's it's a level of humility to say this is what I came I came away from the text saying. This is what I've I've come away from this experience with God saying. How about you? And to really listen and to really be a part of that. Because really, that's going to make us stronger. It's going to make us overall better. You know, to bring it back to the game, if you only have one faction, there's weaknesses. And you can't stop those weaknesses. Because they all the cards you have have the same weakness. Mm-hmm. If, you know, you might be stronger, but it, you're all stronger in the same way. If you mix it up, have a little bit of this faction so that you're not alone. You're not out there by yourself. But at the same point, you have other people next to you, other other factions next to you that are, are explaining and covering and, and being a part of that weakness to step in there and take care of that. That's why I love Gen Con. I love what we do at Gen Con because you've got, you know, every... Spe- every color and uh, in the the spectrum of evangelicalism you've got a bunch of mainline churches you've got people who don't believe in god at all you've got people who are like i think there's something to this god thing but i don't know what it looks like you've got everybody Mm -hmm. i i love i mean it's funny you know 
Derek and I occasionally, like in the hotel room last year, we would, you know, talk about Doctor, and he goes, "You you think this way, don't you?" I go, "Yeah, I do." He goes, "Yeah, I think that's a load of crap." <laughs> well, and I go, "I go, I don't think you're right either." So here you go. So how about that? <laughs> but we, but that's the thing. We do that in love, and yeah. and we do that, and that that's only made everything better with with me at least. I can't speak for Derek, mm-hmm. but uh, the the times when we're the same is really encouraging. We love the gaming community. We love these people and we want to serve them. That is our, our bond. And even when things aren't in alignment, that that has made us... I, I've, I've said it. We, we're I, This man is my brother because we've served side by side in this now for a couple of years. And even that is ridiculous that it's been a couple of years. <laughs> At, but even in that, there is room for difference. There is room for uh, other ideas, other concepts. And there's connection and difference. And that's so beautiful. And I love the fact that it's part of why I love this game, because the game is different every time because you find yourself, you know, some, I personally, if, if there's a, if there's a trade federation card, I probably buy it. They're my favorite faction, but sometimes they're not there. Sometimes you have a, a completely other, group of cards in front of you and you have to adapt you have to work with what you can work with what's there right and i love seeing that and it it plays out every stinking day (laughs) what are you trying to say mike every time you talk with people they aren't always going to agree with you (laughs) god forbid (laughs) you mean some people hold different ideas than i do ridiculous what i don't i don't believe this (laughs) I I, re- I reject your reality and replace it with my own. Absolutely, absolutely. So, 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 Jeff, uh, I will give you a little bit of hard time because now is normally when we say this is how you can contact Jeff. Mm. But I will before we get into that, I will say that there has there was a call out this afternoon because I went on the Inroads Twitter as is my thing, yeah. and I said I'm really excited to have our first official episode with Jeff Romo at the at, as my co-host, right. and. A gentleman who I, I won't name him uh, because, you know, the anonymity of the Internet. Sure. But he may or may not be one of the players in our play by post. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, he responded with, we need to get that man on Twitter. And and I told him, I assured him, it's taken us a year and a half to get him on Facebook. <laughs> I can only do one social media at a time. <laughs> if you could see me, I know we're doing audio only. You'd see that my hands are shaking right now. With the... <laughs> <laughs> but in light of the fact that you are not currently on Twitter, yeah. what are some ways that people can find you? All right. Uh, well, you can definitely hit up the Inroads site. Um, there's some contact information there. I'll, I'm I'm trying to step up my game with uh, putting up some articles. I've got some definite encouragement from you and uh, from some folks in the tavern. Um, other than that, I'm on Facebook. I'm uh, roaming the tavern, uh, getting getting involved with the regulars as much as I can. And uh, like you said, there was kind of an avalanche at first of posts, but uh, I've kind of trimmed that back to maybe one or two a day. <laughs> You've um, kind of normalized now. I've normalized, exactly. It's kind of fun to be able to like throw up like little posts like, hey, I just watched the Flash finale. Did anybody see that hat fall on the floor? And it's like, you know, get a couple of responses here and there. And so that's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, check the Enrose site. You can find our contact information there. Definitely glad to hear from you. Um, check us out on Inroads Plays. Um, definitely want to hear some feedback on how the the game's going. But uh, yeah, uh, especially because you know it's been announced in the tavern. So mm-hmm. for people who are listening now who aren't in the tavern, one Facebook.com/groups/GameStoreProfits. The tavern is a wonderful place to be, and you should be there. Yes, you definitely should. I also want to say that we're kind of wrapping up. We're not sure if we're going to be able in this this next session coming up mm, to yeah. wrap up our D and D five e. But when when we sat down to do inroads plays, the intention of of why we do this is because we want to demonstrate to people what various role playing systems look like. Yep. Because because so many systems are completely different; they have a completely different feel to them. So we wanted to demonstrate because we understood that a lot of these role-playing games do have, both in time and money, 
fairly significant buy-in. You have to yeah. you have to give something to get into them. Yep. So we want to demonstrate. Well, it appears that our own Luke Navarro, in the free time that he no longer has to worry about recording this podcast, that he's leading people into Star Wars with Edge of the Empire. Yep. So definitely be checking that out because our our lovely crew of short people otherwise you know two dwarves and our halfling will soon be ending and a whole new adventure is going to be starting up and as far as far as me you can also find me on inroadsministries.com uh i am on twitter both i have two i have the inroads twitter at at inroads and then i have myself at uh mike the bard so i all right i gotta gear myself up for this I've only said this a handful of times. I, you know, we've been doing this now for, this is 101. Yeah. And I think I've maybe done it like half a dozen times. So I, let me take a deep breath. You can do it. All right, folks, visit us next time. And until then, I'm going to let you know, God is the game master. And no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.